Welcome to Coffee with Ken, with your host, Ken Balser. Well, this is Coffee with Ken. I'm your host, Ken Balser. We're at Forza Coffee Company out on Marvin Road. Thank you very much for the, the free coffee, except my guest didn't want a cup of coffee today. My guest is Gary Warnick, who is the Thurston County Coroner. Good Welcome. Afternoon. Thank you. Good afternoon. What kind of day you had today? Uh, it's been okay. I had an elected officials meeting. I'm uh, elected officials meeting county? Thirsty, yeah, county. So yeah, it's, so uh, the county commission is going to cut your budget? What's that? Uh, the county commission is going to cut your budget? No, 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 no. <laughs> no they've uh, they've treated me pretty well. <laughs> so what does a coroner do? Because uh, I've already had people ask me, said, well, is he a medical examiner? Is he a doctor? No, what does a coroner do? The coroner uh, here locally, so the coroner is an elected position. I'm the office administrator. Um, so I oversee basically the operations of the office. And in that aspect, I have five uh, full-time investigators who uh, are on a rotating shift, and they go out, um, answer the call of duty, if you will. Uh, the phone goes off, you know, middle of the night, and they're on call. Then they're up to go and and respond to a scene if they need to. And it's a rotating a rotating shift. Um, and uh, and I have uh, two doctors that are under contract that work for uh, work for my office, so they do all of the uh, the autopsies, and they're board certified. Forensic pathologists. So, I want to get this straight in my mind. So, you got one, one investigator is on, the phone rings, somebody has died in their house. Mm-hmm. Right? Then, does he go every time? No, not necessarily. It's uh, depending on the circumstances. So, uh, we rely on our law enforcement community and our EMS personnel uh, because they are uh, literally the eyes and ears uh, for my office. So, they're going to take information over the phone about. Uh, uh, what they have in front of them as far as the seat. So they'll, they'll say this, this is a 75-year-old man, he died in bed, you know, that kind of stuff, probably a natural death. And, and, and your investigator would not go out there. Chances are correct. If, if but if it was a 30, 32-year-old man and, and he was died on his couch with a needle in his arm or something like that, then they would probably, your investigator would go out. Go. Yeah. And we do respond to elderly home deaths because... Uh, uh, in our community, uh, we have people who have lost their medical insurance or uh, have never really had a doctor. So if you have somebody who's 60, 70, 80, 90 years old and they die at home, uh, that becomes a coroner's case because somebody has to certify that death certificate. And, and when there is no physician, it, it falls on my office. And the physician would be if they were covered by medical insurance or something like that? No. They, no. no. If they don't have a, a regular uh, physician... Uh, who they see on a regular basis, uh, who was you know, prescribing their medications, giving them manual gotcha. checkups. If they had, hadn't seen a doctor in several years, uh, that death will fall on our shoulders. How many deaths in an average year does Sisson County have? Uh, for 2016, uh, I think we were at 2,320 20 deaths, so 2,300, give or take a few. So it's like two or three a day. Oh, more than that. Okay. How many? How many days? If you get two thousand and any times three hundred sixty-five days, that's all. Okay. That's, oh, that's five. I'm on my calculator. That's six. But it seems that's like seven. That's about six seven. Six or seven. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm never gonna math either. Four. <laughs> so, what percentage of your deaths are natural deaths? Uh, oh, I don't know the percentage, but, but the majority it's of the deaths high. Eight ninety percent. Yeah, the majority are, are natural deaths. Uh, we 
we're fortunate in our community that we don't have a, a homicide rate like you would see in um, Pierce County or, or uh, King County. Um, so we have a very low number of homicides. Um, on the rise, though, we do have a, a very uh, suicide rate is climbing. Yeah, I, I interviewed you uh, for a story I did a couple of years ago, and you told me we had about 49 that year suicide. So that's about one that's about one a week. One a week. Yeah. So, where are we on that? Well, for 2016, uh, we ended the year with 53 death or 53 suicide deaths. So it's an increase. Yeah, and a half a dozen of those uh, could have been put in the category of suicide. But as investigators and in my as my office, if uh, if we're not 100% certain that this is a suicide death, um, then we um, we're pretty much forced to go with an undetermined manner of death uh, because we can't prove was this. Uh, uh, an intentional act, or was it uh, accident, or you know, someone okay. else do it? So, I, I assume you have to sign off on all deaths. Not every death, no. Okay, but what, what, what would you not sign off on? Where a physician signs off? Correct. So, if the if the individual has a a, a physician and it's not a coroner's case, then that certificate will so, go to the doctor. So, it would be a coroner's case if it looks suspicious. Uh, or it's unknown or stuff like that. Your investigators go out and they investigate, mm -hmm. and then your, your medical people do the autopsies and stuff. Correct. But you do you have the final say? Pretty much, I do. Yes. I mean, even though the medical examiner says this this is a suicide, and you, they say well, it's undetermined. I mean, you you make the final decision. I won't argue with them on the cause of death. I won't say the word argue, but um, okay. there are a couple of situations where I have. Uh, I wasn't um, convinced of the manner of death, and I went another route on a couple of different cases, uh, and that's that's in my that's in my legal right to do. Now, how long have you been coroner now? Eight years. I'm, I'm in my eleventh year. Wow. Okay, eleventh year. Wow. <laughs> it had been a long time. Yeah. yeah a little bit. Yeah. So that, I'll get back to your uh, the, the types of deaths that we investigate. Yeah, I'm on. Yeah. It's the sudden, violent, unexpected deaths, uh, the traffic deaths. Um, Deaths in public places, um, suspected overdoses, uh, infants, um, all suicides. Um, so pretty, pretty much anything unnatural. So, may, so may, uh, maybe what ten percent in two hundred a year, maybe. Oh, as far as uh, corner cases that we get, we'll probably anywhere between three hundred and fifty to three seventy-five. That's what but we yeah. will bring into the office, correct? Yeah, and so you use your. Your experience in from having been a court now for eleven years, as well as you know, recommendations your staff make those final decisions on those kind of things. But when I told somebody I was going to be interviewing the coroner today, they wanted to say, "Well, ask him about drug overdoses, because there's been a big epidemic of heroin overdoses just recently in in Washington State, I guess." We we see it, but not as uh, uh, it's not as prevalent as uh, it is in other counties. That doesn't mean that it's happening. It just means that we're not we're not seeing those deaths. Right. So you're not you're not seeing a, a significant increase in overdose deaths. No. And that's and that's because we're in, we're in a different type of, uh, of uh, a community, or or it's maybe the EMS has saved saved people though. That's so. Well, yeah, because they've, they've got that. that Narcan. They've got yeah, yeah. and. Uh, you know, story on the news the other night said that thing has increased six hundred percent in the cost. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys get it? Do you, 
Do the med give them the medics get a, a, a reduction in that cost? Do the medics? I have, I no, mean, I have no idea. Because they said they would bargain or they would negotiate with it's law enforcement. To get yeah, that paid. I don't know. But I think I, I overheard that uh, uh, local law enforcement and maybe the sheriff's office is now carrying Narcan. Yeah. So, 11 years you've been county coroner. Mm-hmm. You're going to do there until you retire? Uh, I enjoy what I do. Uh, I'm happy, healthy. I have a good good crew that uh, enjoy what they do, as morbid as that sounds, but it's a, um, it's very rewarding. And you got no supervisor. Well, I do have supervisors. I have 267,000 of them. <laughs> yeah, don't. You don't have all people looking over your shoulder every day. No, but I, I still, I work, I work for the, for the, for the listeners. That's, that's who my boss is. Because if you were in law enforcement, you would have all kinds of uh, people looking over your shoulder. Well, deputies, but uh, even the sheriff. The sheriff, so he works for the same people I work for. I, I don't report to the governor. I don't report to the county commissioners. Right. That's yeah. my point. You don't report to anybody except people. Correct. So who so who provides you oversight to make sure you're doing things right? The community, family members. If, I mean, we okay. Can, okay. Let's talk about family members. Sure. Right, because those are the people that are impacted by the death. Those are the people that we have the one-on-one with. Right. And so, it, so, do you ever hear complaints? Sure, all the time. And what's the normal complaint? They're just not satisfied with the, our our cause and manner of death. Okay, so so it has to do with manner of death. Sure. So, so undetermined or suicide, something like that might might impact them suicide, financially. Sure. Yeah. People don't like to see a suicide on a death certificate. Um, it's just, it's denial. Um, and it's also, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, it's what it is, it's and denial. Also, insurance sometimes doesn't pay off sure. on, on that too, right? Mm-hmm. But about undetermined, do you know what they, how that works? That I don't know, no. So what do you like about being the coroner? I like the interaction with people. Uh, I enjoy... Uh, but you see people, though, at, at their emotional worst. Sure, but it's for the most part. Yeah, and it's uh, it's providing them uh, closure. Uh, very small percentage of the people that that we deal with in in this business. Very small percentage of people that we don't see eye to eye on. But the majority of the people that that we deal with, as far as families, um, we're dealing with them in their darkest hours. Some people have never dealt with death before, and uh, to provide that um, comfort and closure to them. Um, you know, it means a lot. Well, we've talked about this before, your son's death. Mm-hmm. And do you want to mention a little bit about that? Sure. So I, I enjoy talking about Justin. Okay. Justin Norton, who, is my, who the, my American Legion posted name. That's is. right. That's who I belong to also. <laughs> yeah, so what do you want to know? Well, your son was killed in Iraq. Correct. When you were running for coroner, I was. It was that same year. Right, and so does that give you a better empathy towards people who are suddenly struck with death? Oh, definitely. Because uh, um, when this all happened with Justin, um, I was at work. It was a Saturday morning, and my neighbor had called me, and I was on the. I was a. De- I was a death investigator. I was a deputy coroner uh, at the time, and I had the Friday shift, and it was a slow night. And so I came in on Saturday morning, turned over the, uh, the keys and radio and rig to the oncoming uh, deputy coroner. And uh, it was a beautiful day and I decided I was gonna take my truck home 
and drive my motorcycle back to work, which I did. So I got to work and my cell phone rang and it was my next door neighbor. And uh, he said, hey Gary, where are you at? And I said, I'm at work. And he said, well, you need to come home. There's some people here that wanna, that wanna speak to you. Uh, I've known my neighbor for 20 years, super good guy. Uh, but I could tell there was some urgency in his, um, his demeanor and what he was asking me to do. And so I basically say, hey, Arthur, I'm at, I'm at work, just put him on the phone. And he says, they don't want to talk to you on the phone, they want to see you in person. So I, you know, I thought about it for a second. I thought, okay, it's probably maybe somebody from high school there who was there to surprise me. So I uh, jumped on my bike and I raced home and, and uh, there's nobody there. It, it's, I can literally remember the day that I pulled into my driveway because it was like a ghost town. I think everybody knew what had happened um, just by the little whispers that go on and, and uh, you know, close the neighborhood. Neighborhood. Yeah. And so there was nobody outside and there was no drive, there was no cars parked out front. And uh, 15, 20 minutes later, there was a, there was a knock at the door and I opened it up and there was three, uh, three soldiers. And uh, I pretty much knew exactly why they were there. And so I invited them into my living room and they had told me that- Did uh, you say, is my son dead? Did you ask? Them? No, no. I uh, I just had an idea. I mean, I you know you you see TV, and so I just I I had the idea, and um, so I invited them in, uh, invited them in the living room, and basically they told me that Justin had been killed in a, a IED um, small arms fire incident the day prior uh, in Baghdad, and uh, uh, you know pretty much. Uh, shattered my world. I, yeah. uh, these people didn't know who I was or what I did for a living. And, and I remember, um, this conversation I had with them, it was, uh, it was a chaplain and two of the people who actually do the notification. And, uh, I said, do you guys, do you guys have no idea what I do for a living? Do you? And they said, no. And I said, I'm a death investigator. And one of my responsibilities is to knock on a parent's door and tell the family that their son or daughter is not coming home. And now you're telling me mine's not. And he said, yes, sir. And uh, so from that, that day forward, it's been kind of, it was a total role of reversals because sure. I've done a lot of notifications and uh, it was a script for me. I always knew what I was gonna tell the family and I knew when I delivered that news that I was gonna be done with my, my, and then my you're interview. Gonna, then you're gonna leave. And I'm gonna go home and, yep. and it's gonna be my, my normal way of life. Uh, but when they told me that Justin had been killed, uh, like I said, my world stopped. I didn't care about my income, uh, my my next meal. Nothing mattered. I just didn't care about anything, and uh, you know, and that's that's what happened. And that was in the the, the heat of the, the campaign season where I was well, running you're for governor. Yeah, and so I uh, it pretty much took the sales away from uh, uh, from what I did. But going back to the notification process, um, so, but so. So now, when you go to deliver that kind of a, of a message to somebody, do you stay longer or do you give them uh, uh, information that we wouldn't have given before about where, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how did that, how did that change the way yeah. that you deliver the message? So the notification process. Uh, you still have the script that you have to go through. Yeah, but it's all, it's all, it's all upstairs in your right. head. But uh, as far as the emotion and the compassion and all that, I just knew um, that when I, when those words rolled off my mouth, uh, off my tongue about their son or daughter not coming home, I didn't realize the impact those words had. But uh, doing the notification now to family members, I know where they're at. 
and not because they're physically in front of me, because I, I know they're there, right. but I know where they're at standing in my shoes or their shoes and my heart and my, my head. I know where they're at because I just shattered their world. So um, for my office, and I've told all my staff is that uh, you need to, these people have sometimes have never dealt with death. And so your you know, empathy, uh, compassion, and sometimes it's, we're human, and it's okay to hug these folks, and that's that's what we do. So, do you ask you if there's somebody you can call for them? Oh, sure. Them? If they're alone, that's that's one of the biggest things that I I, I ever regret doing is uh, doing a notification to an elderly lady whose husband had uh, been killed in a traffic collision. She lived alone. Um, her neighbors were kind of scattered, but she knew them. And uh, I did the notification process, and I asked her, I said, is there anybody that I can call to come here and sit with you until, you know, people start showing up? And uh, she, she said, no, there's, there's nobody to call. And I didn't know what to do. So uh, I walked next door. I, I told her I had to go outside for a second. So I walked next door and told the, the neighbors what had happened. And so they came and sat with her just to... Yeah, I, but do you, do you have, like, a, like a, a number of... of Chief counselors like from different churches that you can call and ask them to come and. There's a chaplain service that we can call upon either yeah. through the sheriff's yeah. office or uh, the local fire departments. And, but uh, but you have a better understanding now of, of what it, what it means. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's changed my whole outlook on on just death and dying and the grieving process. Do you ever give talks to other corners or corner groups about that? I mean, it's a unique unique position that you're in. No, I, I share my experience with the with the kids in high school really because that's uh, I think that's where I'm hoping to have a bigger impact is because um, you know as a parent we don't like to see our kids suffer and we don't like to see our kids in pain and so I just try to in an underhand uh, message to them I, I try to encourage them to be safe and if they're in a position to where um, you know we were all kids at one time and and we did things we shouldn't have. And I know the kids today are doing the same things, but I, I always tell them, if you're in a position uh, where alcohol or something else in, is involved and, and there's people driving, do not get in that car and call an adult to come get you or you just stay put and just make that deal with yourself that you're gonna make a deal just to not put yourself in harm's way. You're the most powerful law enforcement person in the county, aren't you? According to the old law books, yes. Because you can arrest the sheriff. Yes. And there was a law written back in 1863. And, and it's still, still on the books today. That, 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 the, that the coroner is the person in the county that can, that can arrest the sheriff. Yeah. And I, at that time, then I receive all benefits of the sheriff. Can you ever, because you have that ability, have you, have you ever talked talk to the sheriff and asked him, not to be so stupid again. No, <laughs> I'm just glad he's okay. I am too. Everybody, yeah, is. yeah. everybody. But you know, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad the sheriff is okay. Yeah, for those that don't know, he was in a motorcycle accident. Not very serious. And very serious when he didn't have a helmet. Correct. He did not. He was not wearing a helmet. And he didn't have to wear a helmet. But no, legal. not in Montana. In Montana, but uh, but I just I wonder if he's going to go out and talk to people too about safety. I don't know. I think he's got a. I mean, he's got a he's good platform. Got to he's still got to recover. Yeah, but he's got a great platform to 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 host. You know what he's going to talk about if that's what he chooses to do. Yeah. So how? So what is your budget in your department? 
Uh, 1.3 million. Is that enough? It is now. <laughs> it wasn't in the past. <laughs> so why is it enough now? Why is it enough? Uh, because I don't have to go back and borrow money for my uh, autopsy expenditures. No, because they've given you more money? For autopsies, oh, correct. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. I didn't realize that happened, so they put extra money in the budget for it. Yeah, when I was first elected, it was uh, it was severely underfunded, uh, underfunded and uh, understaffed as a as a uh, an office. So when when do you call for an autopsy? When do we call for one? Yeah, uh, when the circumstances call for it. If there's a uh, um, situation would arise to where we've got an individual who doesn't have any medical history and uh, dies suddenly and unexpectedly, and so uh, that would be a, an autopsy case for us. And the homicide case, I assume. Homicides. Now, we don't have that many homicides, though. No. We have Maybe two or three a year? Three, four a year, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And we're lucky. That's very lucky for for this county. And if you just go a couple miles north, it's a different story. Yeah. It's a, yeah, different story. Now, I know that Sister County is over 250,000 people now. Correct. Which means that they, they can change... The way the coroner's office works, right? Correct. Then you might explain that to me again, because I sure. know that you've explained it before. Sure. So uh, uh, RCW uh, states that if the county, so I'll back up a little bit. Counties that are uh, 0 to 40,000 people, the uh, elected prosecuting uh, attorney actually wears two hats. That individual is the also. prosecutor and the coroner. Okay. Okay. Up to 40,000 population. Uh, and then once they go over 40,000 uh, population, then they have to elect in a, cor a coroner. Okay. And then so that person's coroner. And then so between 40,000 and 250,000, that's the cutoff to where the county commissioners can, if they decide uh, amongst the, the commission or if it's a board, uh, they can decide amongst themselves whether or not they want to do away with the coroner system and bring in uh, an appointed medical the medical uh, examiner, and that would be a, a appointed position. And has has there been any talk about any of that? No, no. So so they would vote on it, and if uh, if it's a majority between the board or the commission, then they would send that to the public for vote. Oh, so the public would get a chance to vote. They do have a, a, a right to vote on that, correct? And I'm assuming that be something that you might be opposed to. Sure, I like being cornered. Well, that's my point. Yeah. <laughs> that's my point. Yeah. You like being the, the, the corner. I do. I you do. do. And you feel like you do a good job. Um, I, yeah, I, I enjoy. I enjoy what I do. Uh, there's always things I can I can do better, but uh, I really enjoy getting out and, and talking to people. And what what great magnificent sum do we pay you? I'm sorry. What great magnificent sum of money do we pay you as corner? Uh, we just got a raise. It's the first raise in like seven years, and I think it's up to uh, one hundred and fifteen thousand. One hundred fifteen. Yeah. Uh, are you the lowest paid county elected official? I used to be. Huh? Used to be. I used to be. Yeah. yeah. So who is now? Uh, we're all even. Oh, you're all even. Yeah. So the coroner, by uh, just by, uh, it was a history thing that that's just the way the coroners were paid. They were they were paid less than everybody else, but yet that individual. You're an elected coroner. That's a 24-hour yeah, position. Yeah. Death takes no holiday, folks. And when there's a death, your coroner is notified. Um, and what's what are they supposed to say? I'm part-time. I can't come to this call because <laughs> I'm only part-time. So uh, when I was elected, I went to the salary commission and, and basically gave them the pitch about 
you know, the coroner is a 24-hour operation, just like the sheriff's office. We are a, a response reaction type force, so um, there's always someone on call, and we respond when the call, you know, arises. Um, it's 24-7, 365 days a year, even on weekends. And if you were to go to the courthouse, the clerk's office closed, assessor's office is closed, and the auditor's office is closed. They're closed until Monday. We're open 24-7. I don't know where your office is. It's not in the courthouse. No, we used to be. Yeah, we're not in the courthouse now, are you? So, so I go to the courthouse, it's still going to be closed because you're not, you're not going to be there. Who's not going to be there? You are. Not in the courthouse. Where are you located? Oh, we're over in the Mountain Industrial Park. Uh, oh, by the, the, uh, the... By the park. By the jail. Yep, just a uh, block south from there. I'm going to have to come over and visit your operation sometime. I haven't been over there I'll in a long you, time. I'll give you the VIP tour. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, we're coming to an end. Okay. Is there anything you'd like to like to talk about or mention? Because, uh, you know, you got a pretty good-sized audience, believe it or not. Yeah. How big is your audience, Ken? I get between 5,000 and 8,000 wow. unique visitors every week. Good for you. Yeah? Yeah. Second only to the Olympian. Good. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I enjoy this. Um, should make it like a sem- semi-annual event. Well, yeah, I mean, if we did that semi-annual event... Is that it? Twice a year or every, every other year? Every other year. We'll do it when you get reelected again. Okay. All right. That's, yeah, there's no guarantees. Right. Thank you. <laughs> but I guess it's been Gary Warnick, our Thurston County Coroner, and a halfway decent guy. <laughs> thank you very much, Gary. All right, thank you. Yeah. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. Boom.